Because if you come back since the 2000, this stat always gets me. 52% of the Fortune 500 companies are gone. We are in a rapid change in pace. Employees, everything we got to keep up. And that's the curiosity and the passion. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us again at the BizApp Springboard podcast. I'm very excited to welcome uh, my guest today. Uh, it is Ahmed Uthmani uh, Mawi from Microsoft. Uh, Ahmed, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Khalid. Um, Ahmed, we've chatted a lot um, over the past couple of weeks, but um, I'd love for everyone to hear a little about how you got started in BizApps. Um, if you expected your career to angle towards business software in general, and if that was a target industry for you. Thank you very much. This is a really great, great question, because I actually stumbled on BizApps by accident and get into a software company by perseverance. And it's actually a, a funny story. I, I was a little bit, when I was young, I was a little bit of a bookworm. And I think uh, I was 11 years old at the time, and I, I read, I was fascinated, fascinated by Bill Gates. And I, and I read uh, Road to the Future. And I said to my dad, may he rest in peace, like, one day I'll work for Microsoft. So fast forward in my career, I studied in France, studied in the U.S., actually came back had a coaching company, had a communication agency. I was always an entrepreneur and ended up working a project uh, with Microsoft for startups uh, to help 50 women be entrepreneurs uh, and create their companies to be Microsoft partners. At the time, I started working uh, 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 at Microsoft. It was like a, a vendor. It was not an FT role, but I had my company. Uh, it was doing great, but you know, sometimes the, 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 you don't get work the full year, just a couple of months. And then I had the opportunity to join Microsoft, uh, because of the work that we did and, uh, the impact that I had there. So I started my role, uh, managing public safety, national security for Middle East and Africa. And that actually, that's what I see. I stumbled on biz apps. It's, it's, it's a very, very, <laughs> Very funny story because I call it a beautiful curse because at that time was the biggest reorg for Microsoft. When we changed, we removed Nokia, we restructured Microsoft. So that was the biggest layoff wave of Microsoft, more than 18,000 people. And at the time, I think we were only 100,000 employees. So my first year as assigned as an FT, my role get disconnected and I lose my job. And then it's a little bit like a, I would call it a jungle, but uh, there's a lot of internal open roles that were open, but a lot of people didn't, of course, because a lot of people choose it. So there was a, a, a role for a dynamics lead based out of Senegal. So I'm originally from Morocco, based out of to manage French speaking Africa. So it was a really good role uh, to focus on. And I did the interviews because of my track record uh, and the other roles. I could land the role. But here's the funny part. I don't know anything about dynamics. <laughs> so two months like crazy. Imagine we're like 16 hours a day learning, uplifting myself, talking to people, learning all the documentation, doing all the trainings of Microsoft. And it actually ended up something that I started being passionate about because at the beginning it was more in Azure and mother workplace. And then I started loving it. I ended up closing 250% of the budget that year. 
So like it was a little bit of crash course of dynamics. So it was a little bit, uh, I'll say crash course, but it was a, and a, a, a beautiful stumbling on career change. By the way, just for the joke, I also lost my job of dynamics the second year. So, so I, I, that's why I call it a beautiful curse because my first three years at Microsoft, I had three roles because every year I would finish the job and I would do very well. That role doesn't exist. The reorg hits me. So it helped me really reinvent myself, but that's how I was first introduced to the biz apps world. Yeah. There's a lot of serendipity that, um, you know, I, I think definitely not knowing a lot about dynamics may have helped you in the start because you're coming in with a fresh perspective. Exactly. A hundred percent. That's, there was no bias. It was just learning and, you know, dynamics, whatever you learn is always good, but at dynamics, the biggest portion of dynamics is the experience. So the interaction with mm-hmm. the customers, stumbling, I, I don't call them failures, but experiences. I didn't get it right all the time, but I get it right the second time or the third time. It's just learning that continuous learning cycle that I had. It was tough, it was challenging, and man, was it rewarding. I, I, I bet. And it, it can be really tough. And that's why um, I like to look into how people manage to balance it out uh, between their personal identity, between their need to have that fulfillment, self-actualization, and staying on top of work and that continuous learning journey. Uh, what was your experience like with that? Again, a great question. Thank you very much, Khalid. So until three years ago, I made a huge mistake. My personal identity and my work identity were entwined. My, even my self-worth was tied to the Microsoft job. So I was always workaholic, working a lot, learning, investing. I was trying, I was the one that stayed late, the last one, the first one to come to the office, the last one, the learning, the everything. But it impacted my work-life balance, my family uh balance. And it only happened where I actually know it's just like three years when I was here in Canada, when I moved to this role, when I moved to Canada before this role, it's where I actually had a big burnout and I had to go outside. And that's where I actually took the time to detach both, uh, my personal and my, ex, uh, my, uh, my professional, I would say identities. And what helped me do that is that taking that step back. And even if I'm passionate about biz apps, what I do, that should not take a big part of what is also important in life because that's what we do. We do it for family. We do it for everyone. So the experience, I will say it was a learning journey. The experience was a learning journey. It was not perfect. It was, it, it was more on the workaholic side. Now people say you got to work smarter, not harder. I say it's a little bit BS. You got to work smarter and harder, mm-hmm. but Work in working hard, you gotta be smart. That's how, that's where I am today. And that's the, I would say the just middle I try to find, but I'm still learning and evolving every year. It, it makes sense. And you learn about yourself all the time. And, uh, we chatted about that specifically. We talked about fitness the other day. Um, I think that's a really, uh, interesting perspective that you brought in about like how to instill habits. Um, could you touch on that and like, how you make sure that you're navigating the unexpected turns. You mentioned 
a couple of reorgs, um, things that changed your career. Does like having these healthy habits outside of work help you with your relentlessness, your resilience, and and making sure that you're not falling into burnout? Absolutely, absolutely, Khalid. Because the thing is, if you tell me, if you ask me the question, would you do it differently? Because I got laid off three years in a row, so I always joke with a uh, customer, uh, with uh, my my friends in Microsoft. Uh, and my and my friends, I said I got a bachelor degree in getting sacked by Microsoft, so it's always funny. But I actually helped me reinvent myself and be resilient every time. But the only cons that always helped me is that the perspective of life. If you can't change things, you change the way you see things. Because life is ten percent what happens to you, ninety percent how you react to it. So at that time, either I just say, okay, I failed, I lost my job. There's a hundred people apply for the same job. You may not get it. Talk track, uh, bad, like those bad thoughts. Just taking a step back and say, Hey, you survived the first time. You're a survivor. You're going to make it the next time. You're not going to fail. You're going to learn. You, you have two choices. Either you win, either you learn. Anyway, I win. So that mentality that helped me first is came from my love for fitness, my love for discipline and also and here's how I see it, because um, my routine is my routine. My day starts at 3.45 a.m. every day. So between my um, my personal religious habits that I do before going, going to the gym uh, at 5 a.m. and spending two hours there, then coming back and doing some brain exercises, I try to learn uh, new languages, practice Spanish, and then start my work. So I have those routines that I try to do, eating healthy, because... I truly believe that self-discipline is actually self-love. Because you can tell me, hey, Khalid, we're going for a drink with your friends. We're students. And let's go party on, on the weekend. Uh, on Saturday, let's go party on the weekend. Fun. But I can take that step back, that self-awareness and say, hey, like I adore you, Khalid. And guys, we can go out. But I know if I go out with you, I would, may not be able to to wake up on Sunday and do my work and I'll miss my exam on Monday. So I'm choosing that self-discipline because it's self-love projecting myself on how we feel shitty after. So here's the metaphor. I say when you go to the gym and you start working out, you have calluses in your hand. Mm-hmm. At the beginning, uh, when you use the barbells, they hurt your hand. Then you have calluses in your hand. You don't feel it anymore. So mm-hmm. how I see this gym and this discipline is just creating calluses in my mind for life tough situation, losing a loved one, losing a job, losing a lot of money, that resiliency and discipline that I'm trying humbly to build is the calluses in the mind and that mental toughness to be ready for unexpected things in life and actually change the way we see things and being able to bounce back. That totally makes sense and resonates. And honestly, I think, um, you're totally right. Like you have to build the resilience. You also have to be resourceful enough to know, um, like you said, like if you get knocked out, like how do you get up? Whether you lean on someone or you source something from your community or your own self-discipline, you make sure that you are committed to yourself and the vision you have of yourself in the future instead of being at the whim of everything else. And I think when you don't have that like high agency mentality, you know where you want to drive your future. That's when it, it's like if you stand for nothing, you fall for everything. Um, exactly. So I think 
being committed to your future self and loving your future self is sticking to the path that you chose. Exactly. And you, you touched on two things that are important, but the self-love is actually makes you more compassionate and loving with others. You cannot truly love other people if you don't love yourself. And that's where the discipline comes in and, and being that with yourself and that self-love. It actually helps you be more with better serving for your community, better serving for your family, better serving for other people around you. So that is where the key is. And the second thing you talked about knocked out. So you, I reminded, I've been reminded by Rocky Balboa. It's not about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you get hit and keep on walking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rocky is an awesome movie. And um, I, I box. I, so I, of course I, I love the whole series, but I think it does teach you a lot because Sometimes you have to anticipate what's going to come up. And sometimes you're not. It's going to hit you like a train. But if you can maintain that resilience and continue like driving and, and feeding that, that passion that you have without going into like the toxic like grind set that sometimes we see on social media where it's like, like you, you were talking about waking up at 345. Some people will like set an alarm, wake up to make a post. And say, woke up at 3.45 and then yeah. go back to sleep. <laughs> it's just to show off and tell people that they do that without actually getting the benefit of committing to themselves. And uh, I think when you're doing it for yourself, that's when you really get the benefit. You're not doing it to show off. You're not doing it because that's what everyone else is doing. Maybe you're a person that does do better at night. Who knows? Like finding what works for you and what, what helps you excel, I think that's critical. And I agree with you. And you touched on something really important because when you live through the eyes of others, you are a slave to the other people's opinions. Like that's why we see a lot of we're we're not we're in a really good era of quick fixes. Everybody up post, uh, how many likes did I get? Our self worth is tied to how many likes do we get? And that is a big big problem. Like. There's a really good metaphor by Will Smith that actually explains that. If your self-love is fueled by other people's opinion, it's like seeing yourself in a, in a defiled mirror and trying to fix it. Your face will never be perfect because it's a defiled mirror because that's, uh, uh, making yourself love out of other people's opinion is a really shitty way to, to have your self-love. So that is why a lot of people actually go. That's why we are in the air. We live more. We, our lifespan is more than our ancestors. But this is the, the century where most mental health impact is worldwide, by the way. Yeah. Never we had this level of depression. Never we had this level of mental health uh, uh, disabilities yeah. as we have right now. The lifespan may be better, <laughs> but living the everyday life is tougher. I, I totally agree, and it can be a crisis because I think we are moving at light speed, and technology is changing so quickly, and we'll touch on AI and some of the other elements in a second, but I think for some people, it can feel like a whirlwind, um, so we have to figure out how to anchor ourselves, so professionally, um, it, it can feel like you constantly have to catch up, and Think about like, oh my God, now there's Copilot, now there's Power Platform. Like, how do I stay on top of everything? How do I get all my certs? But um, there's also a lot of resources around. So I know in in past roles, and you continue to look at some of the most innovative and, and special 
technology that Microsoft's introducing for biz apps, but how do you keep up and how do you make sure that these tools, uh, to, to borrow Brad Smith's uh, analogy, we're keeping them as tools and not transforming them to weapons? Exactly. I love, I love this question because it's really something that is near and dear to my heart, especially in the biz apps business. Today, uh, I'm fortunate to lead the, the small and medium segment for Microsoft Canada, which is more than 1.1 million customers, uh, for the business application department, which is Dynamics 365 and Power Platform. So it takes two things that I'm really passionate about, small and medium businesses, and that's almost 98% of the economical tissue of Canada, my adoptive country, that I really want to impact and help within the, the, the growth of the economy and through business application that is a passion of mine. So how do you keep up? It's just one word. Mindset of a child, one word, curiosity. You gotta keep that curiosity. Like each time I see this co-pilot and, and, and seeing, and seeing the announcement of Microsoft, I get excited like a little kid. I want to read about it. I see Judson what he said. I see Satya what he said. I try to learn, go read about it. And Microsoft learn. What people ignore about Microsoft learn, we had people in, uh, in my previous role, I was the business group lead for Power Platform for Canada. In my previous role, we actually saw people that hired Microsoft as technical roles for Power Platform, just learn from Microsoft Learn. The wealth of information that is there, is there. It's actually the effort to do it. That is where it is. We, we, we're in the era of quick fixes. I need to know this in 10 minutes. That's why if you go to, to, to YouTube and see the most popular fitness apps, it's actually how to get apps in four minutes. Yeah, that's 150 million. That doesn't exist, but because everybody's looking for the quick fix, you got to be willing to put in the time and the excitement. So again, coming back to discipline and this. So if we're talking about more things to find, Microsoft Learn is a really good place. Getting your certified AI certification, AI 900, just read in Microsoft Learn, go get your certification. Everything is included. Microsoft is a pioneer with, the, I would say, the joint venture with OpenAI and the investment, the $10 billion that we have in OpenAI, the infusion of the OpenAI and chat GPT-4 and natural language processing, whisper into our products for our customers is bringing a new era because Every company is actually a software company. But in this era, we're, we're going to an industrial revolution where every company is evolving to be an AI company. And really AI enables our customers and you to do more with less. And Microsoft has most of the stack, which is also interesting to learn, that nobody has started from high as you want and low as you need. Mm-hmm. Because if you come back since the 2000, this stack, always gets me. 52% of the Fortune 500 companies are gone. We are in a rapid change in pace. Employees, everything, we got to keep up. And that's the curiosity and the passion. It it totally makes sense. And, you know, I think there's another C word that is going to become really critical, which is creativity. Because a lot of people are now worried about co-pilot and AI just coming in and dominating the workforce. But I think that's going to be the contrary because it's actually supporting the workforce. It's democratizing access. It's enabling people who would have never had the ability to do things like this to do them. Like I'll I'll speak even from my own experience. I would have never had access to an NLP model that is so 
tightly done, uh, like chat GPT. And, um, I, I used it the other day to write a whole, uh, game of snake, like the, the classic yeah. game in like 15 minutes, maybe. Of course, it spits out code that is not the best. And then you have to, it's a collaborative experience and you have to be creative with how you engineer your prompts, how you ask it to drive towards one direction or the other. But then that's the joy of like, you're almost doing pair programming with the AI. And I think now we're embedding it in D365. We're seeing how sellers can use it, how they can get better uh, intent data, they can get insights on how to talk to their buyers. So it's helping you, it's not taking over, it's actually collaborating. And I think that's a really beautiful part of it. I love this. And you're absolutely bang on. I know there's a lot of apprehension on AI and especially would they replace. The thing is, and I think I, I had this conversation with our customers and a lot of our partners, AI is a complement to human ingenuity because if you break down a company and the asset of a company, the most valuable asset are their employees. 100%. And when you get the employees, which is your most valuable asset that can create true ingenuity of human ingenuity, create value for you, doing redundant tasks and repetitive tasks, you are dooming your best asset to not produce your most important value. Where AI and Copilot comes in is to remove that redundancy and repetition and everything and make human only focus on what's important. Because now, what is the era? Because we, and we discussed this, me and you, like, we had, uh, Google Home, Alexa, uh, Siri. Oh, those were virtual assistants and there was commands. These were tools. Now we're actually in the era of Copilot. We're evolving because we go from tools to actually a creative assistant, where a system where you do data input to a system that gives you data output, mm-hmm. a system that follows commands that, that to a system that provides recommendation with humans in the loop. And using specialized language, like we used to do with Siri, Google Home, and everything, to actually using natural language. That's an amazing evolution. Absolutely, and I think um, the sheer scale maybe like it's hard to understand right now because we're getting so much with natural language you're getting so much unstructured data and maybe right now we're at i'll, I'll reference lake okanagan where i am in, in bc we're at that size of data in the data lake and very very soon it's going to evolve into the pacific ocean and it's just a huge amount like Every time I talk to Mike Ehrenberg, he he talks about this. He he is super passionate about data, and he's always talking about the scale and how we have to make sure that we have the resilience from a technical standpoint, but also from enabling people to understand and use this data. Because you're right, we're now getting outputs that can support us in doing so much. We just have to prioritize and be creative and be curious about like. Why is this output coming out? Not just rejecting it, shutting down, like kind of going into our own cocoon. You you do have to have that childlike mindset and chasing after new things, but also being creative about it, prioritizing, knowing what is needed to support this new infrastructure. Exactly. hundred percent. You touched on data. On data, I always have a small metaphor I use with my customer because it makes so much sense for me. Like uh, in the 15th century, there was the Eldorado. Everybody was looking for the yellow gold. 
19th, 20th century, we were looking for the black gold, which is petrol. But in the 21st century, the most important gold is what I call the transparent gold, is the company's data. Actually being able to harness your company data can create new revenue streams, actionable insights for your company to actually weather any storm. Like Satya calls it, the digital resiliency and having that. Like I shared with you a stat since 2000, 52% of Fortune 500 are gone. That was, that is the key to keep everything and see that AI as that sophisticated machine that actually analyzes your land, which is your data, finds insight, bring it for you. And as a human being, you assess the gold, the quality of the gold, resell it, how you better use it. So this is how I just continue the metaphor, but I, here's how everything blended together. Yeah. It's, it's so crazy. And I think. Um, that's what makes it exciting. Honestly, I think when I first, um, started, much like you, I had a very, um, kind of winding road towards Viz apps and I never really thought like B2B. I, I was in school when like social media was the hottest thing that you would chase after. And I was thinking, yeah, Fang only and like just going towards whatever is the hottest social media platform. That's where I want to work. And then. I, I ended up at SAP, like I was telling you, and it was like a whole new world of cooperation with each other businesses. And like, you see how it is actually fueling everything that we do. But now I think it's a lot more tangible for younger people, which is exciting. So there is a level of interest. People are wanting to go into this channel, but it can feel um, a bit isolating. And a couple of uh, weeks ago, I was presenting at Directions, I uh, made fun of Microsoft for the acronyms because we yeah. have so many acronyms. We, we love our acronyms <laughs> at Microsoft, 100%. And it can be gatekeepy a bit, right? Like if I show up and if if I want to be an asshole, I can say to someone, uh, well, you don't know any SSPs or TSPs and do you even have a PDM or a PME? And what's your MPN? Like just start slamming them with acronyms and they're not going to know what hit them if they are just starting. So that can be very intimidating. But Ahmed, do you have any advice for people who are starting out in the channel? They are trying to figure out where they place within it or anything that you wish you knew earlier uh, in your career. Yeah, I would say I'll come back to the first word, which is curiosity, but Microsoft Learn. Microsoft Learn is a wealth of knowledge where you have learning paths that are really good. But here's how I see it, and I'm still learning, uh, humbly learning in my career and evolving in Microsoft and outside of Microsoft as a, as a human being. Breaking down into small steps. Every step counts. The problem is when we have, that's the difference between a goal and a vision. When you have a goal, goal is a little bit finite. You say, hey, I got to run a marathon that is 27 miles and two hours and blah, blah, blah. But when you have a vision, you have a clear vision of the uh, arrival uh, line, but you don't know how you're going to get there, but you're, but you're enjoying every step of the way. It's the same thing as you're thinking about, hey, I want to do a career and, for example, low, no code and learn and be a, a, a low coder and use chat GPT and co-pilot to help companies create apps and how should I learn? You don't come and say, I want to build the most beautiful house, uh, most perfect house. No, you start, I'm going to lay down the most beautiful, per, uh, amazing first brick. And breaking down your goal into small because biz apps can be overwhelming. But if you break down your 
journey into simple rule. Today, I'm going to learn about Power Apps. I'm going to go start my uh, certification. I'm going to watch YouTube videos. I'm going to buy courses in Udemy. I'm going to use Microsoft Learn if I don't even want to invest. And I'm going to go down and repeat, repeat until I get it. And if you break it down, it says like, oh, I'm going to be a low coder, amazing power virtual agent. I'm going to chat GPT. That's a too big of a goal. It's always about breaking down. And not every human being is competent in everything. Not everybody's incompetent in everything. We have all the ability to learn to a growth mindset and taking every step and setback as an opportunity for a comeback, not as a fi- finite. So I, my advice would be if you're looking to chat GPT, if you're looking to uh, open AI of Azure, if you're looking to power platform or Dynamics 365, and because this is the core of what we're doing as Microsoft, helping companies transform their digital processes and every company is becoming an AI company. As we prepare for the next decade roles, breaking down your learning plan, having clear vision what you're going to achieve, and taking it every step of the way. And the beauty of the internet is uh, information available in abundance. It's more the commitment that is lacking. That's so true. And it's it's beautiful because I think that's a really good way to nurture that drive and nurture the curiosity, keep the fire going, while also not getting overwhelmed. You're segmenting it. You're setting achievable targets for yourself. You you alluded to the quick fixes a lot. I think it's a good way to kind of show some instant gratification while working towards that delayed gratification that we're aiming for, that finish line. Because sometimes it is hard. You want to run that extra mile. But if you kind of aim for the next three and then the next three, that's what I do to myself when I'm running. I, I just aim for the next three after and then the exactly. next block and the next block and very quickly you've run a whole marathon. I think that's what um, is best for people, no matter where they are in their career. Honestly, that advice that you gave applies to everyone. I, I really appreciate you sharing your wisdom with us. Absolutely, my friend. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much, Ahmed. This has been such a great chat. Um, I hope to get to chat with you more about it in the Absolutely, future. My friend. And um, I'm, I'm sure everyone will benefit from it just as much as I did. Thank you very much. Uh, it's a pleasure to talk to you, Khaled. Uh, always available for you, my friend, and for the community. Uh, go biz apps, go technology, go AI co-pilot, and please don't uh, hesitate to reach out on LinkedIn if you have any question. And thank you very much for having me. I love that. Thank you so much, Ahmed. Thank you very much, my friend. <laughs>